Welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent, and transformational change. With me, your host, Professor Sally Eaves. Hi, everyone. A very warm welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent, and transformational change. I'm your host, Professor Sally Eves, CEO of Aspirational Futures, and today we're focusing on Call for Code, the largest tech for good global initiative of its kind. And very much a rallying call, I would say, to developers and problem solvers across the world to use their skills to drive positive and long-lasting change right across the world, empowered by code. Brilliant. And this year, that focus is one that's on the most pressing challenge, I would say, of our time beyond the COVID transition, and that's the challenge of climate change. IBM is a founding partner of this incredible initiative, and I think I could not be joined by a better person to discuss it in more detail, and that's Mo Hagagi, who leads the IBM hybrid cloud build team in Europe, is a former research scientist, and does incredibly impressive work as a developer advocate all across the globe. Welcome to the show, Mo. Thank you for having me, Sally. It's great to be here. Oh, that's awesome. Lovely to meet you again. And I thought before we dive into all things Call for Code, just be lovely to find out a little bit more about about yourself, you know, the person behind the technology and what got you here to your current role. Oh, sure. Um, I'm a technologist and I love technology. In fact, um, I love technology so much that I went on to do a PhD in computer science, AI and distributed systems. So before IBM, as you said, I worked as a research scientist for Intel and a developer for Sun Microsystems. And in all the positions I've held, basically, it was all about promoting technology for a good cause and for use cases that makes people's lives easier and, and simpler and, and makes things even better for them. So, you know, that's, that's who I am. I, I'm, I'm passionate about technology and also educating people on technology. You know, I, I head up developer ecosystems for IBM in Europe, Middle East and Africa. And I'm fortunate to lead an amazing team of over 100 developer advocates from London to Paris, Milan, Madrid, Berlin, Prague, Istanbul, Dubai, across 27 countries. And, and this is all about passion. It's all about technology. It's about, uh, you know, my team engaging developers in various clients, partners and open source communities. And I can tell you a little bit more about, you know, what we do as developer advocates. You know, we, um, you know, as developer advocates working for IBM, the pioneer of many technologies and inventions with a history of over a century, you know, we have certain messages that we must get to the world as a whole. And that means to all developers all around the globe as much as possible. And Call for Code, as you mentioned, is basically one of those uh, amazing platforms that makes us, that enables us to kind of, you know, take that message out there and, you know, engage developers and, and make them excited about the use of technology for a good cause. And, and obviously, uh, you know, we do that by taking some of those amazing offerings and technologies out to developers. And at the same time, we try to be, uh, you know, kind of, you know, take some of those feedback back to the engineering teams and our great, you know, software developers in IBM to make our products better. So that's who we are and what I do basically in my day-to-day life. It's just all about working with an amazing team of developers and educating people and educating uh, developers out there on the latest technologies. 
I love it. I love it. I love the passion. I really do. It's um, passion is contagious, I think. And, you know, I think the call for code is all about community at the end of the day. And it's bringing those change makers together. And with passion combined with this platform you were describing, that's the way to make things happen, isn't it? And to make them scale as well. So for people listening, you know, the what, the why and the how of how do you get involved in call for code? You know, what opportunities does it afford to people? And you know, what's the starting point? What do you need to do next? Sure. Um, you know, just to tell you a little bit about Call for Code, you know, in 2018, we launched an initiative to address social and humanitarian issues by inviting problem solvers. And in this case, particularly developers around the world to build solutions that um, have immediate and lasting impact. Those are the important factors. You know, climate change was our first sort of target. But, you know, given how our world has changed over the past, you know, two years or so, we expanded the challenge to address COVID-19 crisis, including three major areas affected by the pandemic, remote learning, crisis communication, and community building. And disaster recovery and disaster reliefs were also the important aspect of our work in, in, in year one. But, you know, we've been overwhelmed and quite frankly humbled by the sheer amount of interest from all around the world. Over 400,000 developers, or let's say problem solvers, from 160 nations, uh, you know, seriously participated in this amazing challenge. And we even joined forces with global partners who believe in technology and its potential for good, including the Linux Foundation, United Nations, Clinton Global Initiative, University of CGIU. And, and obviously, Call for Code has become an opportunity for, for all these problem solvers, all these organizations to contribute to sustainable and open source technologies, uh, you know, as, a, as an always-on take-for-good platform, you know, powered by open source technology at the scale. So we are basically inviting all these developers, all these amazing problem solvers to come and sign up, um, you know, on callforcode.org and, and basically submit their solutions. And they can basically form teams of up to five participants and, and they can be, they've got to be at least 18 years old. And then they can basically, you know, join teams and start participating by submitting their uh, their solution to, you know, the, the submission portal on callforcode.org. And, and obviously, Obviously, what we are asking you is to design something, you know, you know, with four different, you know, factors, completeness and transferability, effectiveness and efficiency. Like those are the important points. And then design and usability. Those are the things that you need to take into account when you are creating your solution. And last but not least, and the most important factor is about the creativity and innovation. So when you're designing your solution, make sure you take all those, you know, factors into account. And, and then, uh, you know, there's going to be, uh, you know, the Submission deadline is uh, on the 31st of July. We opened the, the, the competition, the, the challenge back in April 22nd, and then the winners are going to be announced in November. And, and obviously, we've got an amazing uh, panel of judges, including, you know, uh, Bill Clinton, the 42nd president of the United States, who's, who's done an amazing job as a founder and the board chair of Clinton Foundation for all these amazing causes that we've been working on. You know, Peter Backer, like, you know, presidency of uh, World Business Council for Sustainable Development and so many other amazing figures who are basically there to help us. Uh, in this journey. So I would basically invite all developers, all problem solvers from any background you are, just come and form a team. And if you've got an idea, a great idea that can help with one of the pressing issues that we're facing these days, you know, just come and help us out with that and make sure that you contribute to these amazing solutions out there. 
Love it, love it, love it. And thanks for all those details. It makes it really tangible about what the next steps are and the areas to focus on. So I love that. And, and Sally, I should yeah, say one more thing. Uh, I, I forgot to tell you this. Actually, the, the grand prize is $200,000. So it's not just about contributing uh, technology for a good cause and creating an amazing solution, but also there is a $200,000 uh, up for grab. And, and you know, for the runner-ups as well, first and second, they get $25,000, third and fourth, $10,000. And also, if you're a student and your team members, they all have to be students, you can actually participate in the university challenge. And the grand prize for that is also $10,000. And, and we also have some, you know, basically regional winners and the regional prizes for Europe, APAC and other regions are going to be about $5,000. So it's, it's basically there's a good reward in there as well. I love that. It's very much shared value, isn't it? And I love the fact it ripples to regional areas and especially that university distinction as well. I I vividly remember a photo on the website, which is the winning team from the educational aspect last year, literally yes, jumping in the air for joy. I love it. It's really the, the passion and the enthusiasm absolutely shines through. So that's fantastic. I love that. And it's also making me think a little bit about the different skills that contribute to this as well. So obviously developers, but so many other aspects in the team that can help create that winning submission. So from that perspective, you know, how is inclusion being embedded into Call for Code? And you know, is this something beyond developers as well. So other opportunities to contribute that we're kind of alluding to here. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a very good question because, you know, technologies, they come from different, you know, diverse backgrounds in terms of their expertise, experience and exposure to technology and their approach to innovation. And, and I know that, you know, very well because I'm always working with technologists and innovators. But we've also seen something quite interesting. You know, our most creative teams over the past three years, they take this multidisciplinary approach to problem solving. So we've had teams with ecology, medical experts, artists, mathematicians, geologists, civil and mechanical engineers, then, then the list goes on. So developers are often creative folks, but ideation process needs expertise from wide range of fields. So the answer to your question is yes, please come and form a team, you know, with whatever background you have, you can, you can definitely contribute a solution if you've got that amazing idea. So it's not just for developers, it's for everyone. But if you pair up with a developer and some software engineers, that makes it even more accessible in terms of the use of technology and accessibility out there. Absolutely. It's those complementary strengths coming together, isn't it? So home for developers, but also home for curious minds and subject matter experts as well, like environmentalists, for example. So it's that that fusion, isn't it? I think coming together is absolutely fantastic, super powerful, as it is in so many areas of life, I think, with collaboration. That's brilliant. Indeed. And maybe we could think a little bit more around climate change, for example, a key area, focus area for this year's Call for Code. I just just love to know about why we're drilling in on that. And certainly I have to say, you know, hands in the air here, implicit bias acknowledged on my part, because this is something I'm deeply involved in, uh, particularly around sustainability and using tech to help enable that. So I couldn't agree more with that focus, but I'd love to hear from your perspective. Oh, of course, Sally. So the impacts of climate change, uh, you know better, you, you know, uh, the impacts are global in scope. And, you know, without drastic action today, adapting, you know, to these impacts in the future will be costly. And given Given the far-reaching and devastating effects of climate change, it touches many people around the world. And that's one of the reasons we basically went for this theme this year. And this year, we aligned the challenge to United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, and that's clean water and sanitation, zero hunger, responsible production, and green consumption. And for that, we basically provide
ecowide starter kits, you know, for each one of those areas to problem solvers. So we are not just saying, look, you have to go and start something from scratch. We are actually giving you some help with that. So using the starter kits, they can understand how technology can improve access to, you know, clean drinking water, reduce water waste and protect natural resources. And you basically get all the tools and resources from our experts, you know, to help you jumpstart your own solution. And as you mentioned about the, you know, the SMEs, that's exactly another thing that we've got in our team. You can always get help from a lot of SMEs within IBM and from our partners as well. So you're not on your own. If you've got this amazing idea and you've got a great solution in mind for uh, for climate change, we can always connect you to some of the experts of the field, you know, whether in IBM that we've got a massive company, we're over, you know, nearly 400,000 employees. So there's always going to be like someone who can help you out. And at the same time, our partners, they're coming from diverse backgrounds and we can also connect you with some of those partners and even universities and some big organizations who can actually help you out in that journey. And the reason we went for this theme is obviously clean water and sanitation. You know, according to WHO, 2.2 million, billion people, sorry, around, and this is actually quite sad, but 2.2 billion people around the world do not have safely managed drinking water services and 4.2 billion people do not have safely managed sanitation services. And this is crazy because 3 billion people lack basic hand washing facilities. And those are the things that we take for granted, you know, in, in our countries, like, you know, many countries that, you know, are, are you know, as we call it, developed uh, countries. But, you know, so many people out there are having serious issues in their daily lives. And those services are critical in preventing the spread of COVID-19, if you look at it, you know, for the past one and a half years. And, and you know, even in those areas that have these services, there are vast inequalities in terms of accessibility, you know, availability, and quality of service. So for that, we basically went for clean water and sanitation as one of the themes, you know, based on United Nations sort of alignment. And also zero hunger, 135 million people suffer from acute hun- hunger and approximately 9% of them, uh, of the global population are suffering from hunger. And that's another big issue. And if you look at responsible production and green consumption, which is the third area, Worldwide consumption and production drives global economy. And, and as you can see, even the, yet the current use of natural resources is absolutely unsustainable. And, you know, if you look at the global material footprint, it nearly uh, rose 18% from 2010 to 2017. And that's why we should reduce our, uh, you know, ecological footprint by changing the way we produce and consume goods and resources. And by creating, t- you know, solutions uh, with, the best technologies out there, if you can address just these three areas, just imagine the sort of impact you can make to the world. And, and that's exactly what basically keeps us so enthusiastic because we are not just working and creating a solution, but also, you know, making something amazing out there and making people's lives better and in improving people's lives. And that's why we basically went for this because it's so touching, all these areas that I just mentioned. Oh, I couldn't, honestly, I could not agree more wholeheartedly with everything you've just said. And you, you imagine the ripple effect of impact in these areas. You know, we always talk about education, don't we, as the foundation to, to empowerment in many ways. But all the things you were saying there, the clean water example, is exactly the same. It's that foundation to be able to do so much more, that empowerment 
empowerment word is just ringing in my ears as you're speaking there, but also the power of coming together to make this happen and to make change scalable. You know, I was also thinking about the HPC consortium that IBM were highly involved in as well. You know, one of the founding partners there. And I think that's a great example of, you know, it's like all the tech companies, effectively biggest tech companies in the world, but alongside academia, civil society, individual citizen scientists, all that power and the technology power of high performance computing as well and data capacity to address COVID, you know, and what we saw in that acceleration of innovation to bring vaccines to fruition is exceptional. We've never seen anything like it. And that was that co-creation to target one of the biggest challenges of our time. If we do the same thing, we can't, why, why can't we? Hey, why can't we do that to address exactly. things like, like climate change and what you're doing here? Uh, I would love to support this in every single way possible. We can do the same thing. That's, that's my kind of message from you know what we've been going through over the last 18 months let's make a contagion of change around climate change as we have done around covid so yeah the power of coming together this is for me everything that call for code is all about brilliant stuff brilliant stuff exactly and, and sally i can actually tell you give you some examples about this the, the way technology can help with these areas you know for instance for the zero hunger if you bring the paper ledgers of food crops online and you know how communities can harness data insights from their environment for better you know crop resilience and overall yield for sustainable food production systems that could easily improve access to food for the communities and again blockchain technology is an amazing example of what you know you know you can actually use that sort of ledger for you know for tracking and 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 the way you can actually you know make sure you are distributing to the right places based on genuine data and validation so that's that's one area that you know in a decentralized manner you could actually have this sort of you know food distribution networks and then for responsible production and green consumption you know technology can help in many ways from using ai for recommendations on energy efficiency to highlighting the the carbon footprint of online purchases and that actually has a massive impact if you just make some of those recommendations to people for those online purchases there's, there's going to be a lot of a, a lot of changes in people's habits and and how things are going to be purchased online and how people are and the places they're going to purchase from and and the goal is to take into account all phases of you know resource use to do more and better with less and again ai can do a great job in in that area and if we go back to you know the clean water and sanitation again Another one is like, you know, using, you know, query geolocations for sustainable water sources, you know, to encourage, you know, optimal water choices by consumers and local government and to incentivize basically water sustainability. So it's basically from intelligent solutions for small farmers to recycling showers, you know, we can make amazing, significant impact on the availability of water and its consumption. That's absolutely fantastic. And you can see how that ripples into other areas as well. I wrote something recently about conscious consumerism and kind of underpinning that people need that information to make informed choices. And again, technology, as you were just describing, can help you do that, can't it? I think it's absolutely really pivotal moment about what we can do, particularly with different technologies coming together as well. That tech integration is particularly powerful, I think. If you had to pick one, and it's a diff difficult question to pick this, particularly after what I just said about tech integration, but of all the tech advances we're seeing at the moment, do you believe one holds more promise over the other, or do you think it is the integration of them that's going to make the biggest catalyst for change? I personally believe in the integration of, you know, different technologies to bring multidisciplinary approaches to, to problem solving. And, and the reason for that is because 
when I see AI with blockchain and IoT combined together, I have seen an, an amazing, you know, set of innovations made by, you know, technologists. And that's why I wouldn't basically go for one, but I think each one of them basically enables, you know, a, a massive foundation for bringing innovative solutions to people's lives. And AI in particular is playing a massive role because the advances in AI is just fascinating. You know, we went from uh, no more machine learning to you know, deep learning these days. And in deep learning, we, we have like black boxes. We don't even know what's going on in there. And all these neural networks are coming up with amazing, you know, sometimes, you know, just uh, is absolutely, you know, kind of um, it, it just surprises you with the sort of recommendations you get from deep learning. And, and obviously, you've got to be very careful about these recommendations because, you know, there are biases in the system and there, there's a lot of great work happening to make sure that whatever comes from the system in terms of recommendations and improvements, they are not going to be biased. It's going to be like based on fair and, you know, without any sort of discrimination against a particular group of people, race or or area or, or geography. And that's exactly what we can actually do together, you know, just by combining technologies in a way that they validate themselves, they verify a, each other's performance. And that's why I would say AI is playing a very important role, but it needs to be with a sort of set of different technologies together. And cloud computing and hybrid cloud in particular, which is the focus of my work, is about you know making that particular solution available in, on a public cloud. So make it available to everyone. But at the same time, you sometimes are dealing with sensitive data. And in some of the solutions that have been, and I'm going to talk to you about those, like we've, we had cases, we had solutions that they were, basically dealing with some private data. And for that, you need to have private cloud. You need to have an on-prem cloud. And a combination of a public cloud and on-prem is actually quite fascinating. That That's basically what makes hybrid cloud an amazing sort of area for many technologies to experience with. So yeah, uh, it's a very long answer, obviously, but I would say a combination just to make it short going back to your question. No problem. No problem. I like long answers. And I also like sometimes little purposeful tangents, as I like to call them. You get lovely stories like that. So no problem at all. And I totally echo that about tech integration. You know, what you were saying about AI, blockchain and IoT, it's almost like the metaphor for a marriage, really, isn't it? That combination coming together is is kind of what it should be about, really. And I think the other thing I was thinking about reflecting on what you're saying is also things like the new usage models and openness. You know, a huge believer myself in open source and open innovation. Mm-hmm. So that technology combined with these these approaches to, to how we use it and make it accessible as well. I think a very, very powerful combination for the future. Absolutely. Definitely. And you mentioned there about stories. So I would love to do that and make this really tangible for the audience listening about some of the you know, successes that have come from the years already um, for Call for Code. I'd love to hear about some of those that you're most proud of and you know, the legacy this is building already. Sure, Sally. I can actually talk about Project Owl. You know, that was, you know, they were the um, the winner of the first round of uh, Call for Code. And I was quite lucky to be there in San Francisco for the ceremony. So they basically created this amazing connectivity solution that, you know, as you know, connectivity underpins our society, our communication and everyday life. And obviously network infrastructure around the world is vulnerable to disasters like, you know, hurricanes and, and wildfires. And that's apart from the technical problems and, and cost and attacks and all those things. But during natural res- disasters, such as, you know, flooding, earthquakes and wildfire, you know, response is a complex logistical task. And that becomes even more difficult 
uh, and in some cases actually impossible without the infrastructure that we are used to in our daily lives. Uh, you know, when the mobile communication networks goes down, what are you going to do? How are you going to get in touch with others? And, you know, if you are helping with, you know, if you are, let's say, a fireman, you know, helping, you know, with uh, in a building or somewhere, how are you going to get in touch with your team even? And that's, that's quite critical. But like for disaster monitoring, for this sort of connectivity solutions, Project Al basically offers this innovative solution to support disaster resilience and response by creating a wireless communication infrastructure that can provide you know, first responders critical networking capacity in a cost-effective, rapid, and easy to use. And that was basically, you know, they just, they, they had this sort of um, a duck-shaped um, kind of modules that included a, a variety of, you know, communication systems in their transceivers. So they had Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and at the same time, LoRa communication on 915 megahertz. And again, I've done a lot of projects on LoRa, and I'm quite interested in that. It's a technology that allows you to have this low-power, wide-area communications up to 20 kilometers, you know, between hops. And it's amazing because it only consumes a little bit of energy. And back at Intel, when I was a research scientist, we had a lot of sensors deployed in the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park in London, just using that lower technology. And when I came across Project Owl, you know, in the first year, I was like, this is amazing. So they connect all these they call it duckling wireless devices. When they connect all these duckling wireless devices, they, they communicate using lower technology. But you, as someone who's out there with your mobile phone, can communicate with these devices using Wi-Fi and Bluetooth that is in your phone. And then using that, and it basically there's going to be like a, you know, it's basically an off-grid, off-telecom networking solution. And then a web page will pop up automatically on your phone providing you an opportunity to share information with others, you know, such as your location, your name, your needs, and a bit of message. And that basically goes through your Wi-Fi and Bluetooth from your phone to all these small devices. And all these small devices, they, they form a mesh network of LoRa. And it basically, others on the network can easily access that information with their phone. So the network infrastructure is down, but using all these docklings, basically, as they call it, they create a network. And that's amazing because you don't have to have anything extra on your phone, but all these docklings are the ones who are taking care of that. So I was fascinated absolutely by this technology and all these guys, very young young folks, basically put it together. And and, and obviously they won the prize for $200,000 and obviously IBM and some VC firms helped them to put it out there and deploy it in some disasters. And that's, that's exactly the sort of thing that we are looking for, solutions that can be used immediately and be blasting impacts. Wow. That's what I've got to say on that one. What a fantastic example. That's impact personified, basically what you described there. That is absolutely fantastic. I love that. Really brings it to life, you know, and it shows that this is something that doesn't end, you know, when the judging period ends. This is something that projects continue. And not only do they continue, they are have real world lasting impact. That's fantastic. Love that, Mo. Thank you for sharing that. It's absolutely fantastic. You're welcome. And, and Sally, I can just give you one more example, just Please a quick do. one. As well. So the, the other, uh, you know, winner, the regional winner we had in Europe, Hero Loop, and and obviously, you know, and that basically came out during the pandemic. As you know, during the pandemic, there were individuals around the globe that were isolated and they, they were in need of help. And at the other end, we had organizations that wanted to help, but they may not know how to, you know, to, how to do that. So the Hero Loop was a responsive web app that used AI to manage volunteers with those in need based on their locations, skills, and availability. So user activities were all protect, protected by blockchain. And, and they were like, you know, using machine learning and AI, it basically analyzes every incoming text and call and voice note to ensure that 
you know, they can actually be in touch and be kind of, you know, accessed by those who are going to be volunteering and help them out for any particular need they had. And that was quite fascinating because there were this very small team of, uh, you know, four from Sweden and they had like people from around the globe. They had their developer in India, another one from somewhere else in, uh, you know, in the US. And they all formed the team together remotely and created this solution. And obviously we at IBM, we helped them to put it out there, you know, and, and they had like a variety of technologies used in their uh, solution. Obviously, initially they started with a very simple application, but the sort of workshops they attended, they learned a lot about, you know, tone analyzer using AI and, you know, personality insights again, you know, with using IBM Watson and, you know, some other things like, you know, OpenShift and the weather company data that really helped them to enhance their application, their solution and make it quite accessible for Everyone. That's fantastic. Love it. Love it. Another great example. I love that team you were describing there. You know, going back to what we were talking about, about inclusive teams and that diversity of experience coming together literally remotely all across the world. It just shows what you can do when you come together, doesn't it? That's brilliant. Love that. Exactly. <laughs> so if we focus maybe for our final question about Call for Code this year, so the 2021 challenge, you know, from your personal perspective, what's your big hope of what we might see emerge from this year's event? I'm really looking forward to see all these solutions that people are going to put together. And again, because of the theme of this year and climate change being so fascinating, like I'm basically looking forward to see solutions that can address the problems you're having in a very practical manner rather than something that is basically kept on, you know, as a theory. But, you know, I I have seen a lot of good queries coming from university students. They were asking about some specific solutions that they can actually integrate into their uh, into their applications and based on that because of the sort of you know questions we had around ai and the use of ai it's just like I, I haven't seen the solutions yet but i can tell you that the the number of applications are going to be absolutely crazy high and and obviously the the sort of um so sally i think you know let's look at it from this perspective the most successful solutions are those scoped to have the greatest community impact. And for this year, because of the theme of this year's challenge, I am quite you know, optimistic that we're going to see a lot of great technologies and great solutions with the smallest technological footprint. And the reason for that is because I've had a lot of questions coming from university students in particular who are asking about how they can actually integrate this piece of AI technology into their solution. And I was like sometimes wondering, like, you know, sometimes my team members bring it to me and they say, hey, there's this guy who's applying for, you know, Call for Code who's submitting a solution and he's asking us about usability and, uh, you know, whether it's possible to feasibility of kind of integrating two different, you know, technologies together. And those are sometimes things that I hadn't even thought about. And even my team members, they were absolutely puzzled. But when we think about it, it's like, oh, wow, this is actually quite amazing because it makes the, you know, the technological footprint quite small, but the impact is huge. So what I'm basically looking forward to see this year is solutions that are in terms of transferability, they are easy to deploy, they are easy to kind of integrate in other solutions and organizations can actually take advantage of that to deploy it as part of their own solution. So that's the sort of thing I'm looking forward to see this year is just the integration of great technologies 
in a small footprint. And that's the way I look at it. And obviously, the user experience is something that we get a lot of queries about. Many, many people are, you know, participants are asking about the sort of user experience that UI, whether it's a, you know, user interface or, you know, the, the sort of user experience that is going to provide how they can actually tune that and improve that. And I think whatever is going to come out of this year is going to be absolutely accessible and usable by many nations, regardless of their you know, infrastructure and whatever they have available. And I think this is actually quite good uh, you know, from the design perspective, from the accessibility and usability perspective. Oh, that's fantastic. I was speaking to to a student literally yesterday about Call for Code because um, I do quite a lot of mentoring and he was really, really interested and he's already actually signed up to do this. And what I loved about that conversation was, again, the questions he was asking. And he in particular was looking about, you know, how to translate between different languages in apps, making things accessible. So languages, age groups, technical abilities, etc. So the focus on these different areas of experience and accessibility was right front and center with everything he was discussing. And that's just one you know, idea from this conversation that was happening yesterday. So it's just amazing, isn't it? I think it's going to be incredibly powerful, that coming together we were talking about earlier. And I can't wait to see what comes from this. I really can't. Absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful. Honestly, Mo, I could speak to you all day because I we have a shared passion for, for tech for good here. That's of really, course. really clear, yeah. which is wonderful, which is wonderful. Likewise. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think for me, Call for Code in many ways as well, and I'm going to use the metaphor of a sandbox here for a second, but it is like this huge, big sandbox where it doesn't, again, I just want to emphasize this doesn't end, you know, after that closing date of, of, of the end of July or even the judging period. This is something where projects continue, you know, and there's a lot of open access materials, et cetera, as well to keep up that community, that community around the Call for Code lasts all throughout the year. So I'd love to emphasize that as well, because this is something that will grow with you. So in incredibly valuable. So Mo, honestly, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you so much, Sally. It was great to be here and discussing Call for Code with you. Looking forward to great submissions from your audience. Oh, thank you. And for everyone listening, really hope you enjoyed the conversation. And there's more information at callforcode.org. And I think all I've got to say is kind of what you're waiting for. Go for it. Submit those entries and let's make a difference together. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind the scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening.